people call me up so if you go on my instagram or anywhere my number is there to contact me people call anurag up asking if madoc is available <laughs> and i play along with it Hi guys, welcome to Behind the Shadi. My name is Vishal Raskina. This is season 2 and our first season was unbelievable, right? So we decided we had to had to had to make season 2 with some unbelievable people once again. Now, this season we've got some beautiful stories coming your way. So make sure to tune in every Saturday for the next 10 weeks at 8 a.m. in the morning. Now, this is going to be available everywhere and uh, we'd love your feedback. So the moment you listen to it please make sure to send in your DMs send in Facebook messages you can find me on Instagram on the VR family and you can find our guests if you'd like to get in touch with them please go ahead our guest for today is a superstar because he can do everything and um, I don't know how he does it because I've seen him play at concerts colleges clubs and weddings and he blows my mind every time Now we spoke about his engineering days we spoke about how he has a thriving watch business he's a sneakerhead just like me and he's one of India's prominent wedding DJs in addition to that we're also going to listen to his process and how he asks people how to dress up the right way and stuff so make sure to listen to it it's a fun episode and uh, yeah i can't wait to have you tell me what you thought of the episode in the meantime ladies and gentlemen please welcome madoc on behind the shadi Welcome to season 2 of Behind the Shadi and this is a very interesting season because a lot has happened in the last 6 months we've seen the wedding season open up after a massive lockdown and here we are starting this brand new season right now we've got a whole range of guests but i made a promise in my season 1 that i said i will start season 2 with this person he's one of my closest friends and here we have Madoc What is your real name? I have to ask you today because I don't know you by any other name. Hey Vishal. Okay, uh, so my real name is Anurag Chadda. Uh and yeah, I think in the last 8 years now people have just forgotten the name. Uh my closest friends now call me Madoc. I think apart from immediate family, nobody else calls me Anu or Anurag. It's just become Madoc now. I have to ask you this that why Madoc? Uh so it started in 2010 i moved to london to study music and nobody could pronounce my name right because of the ur part uh, so then i became arag when i came back to india arag became arag uh, which i did not like so i went through a series of names horrible name by the way just saying yeah i mean but it was just easy that time it sort of sounded like anurag uh, i used to pronounce my name as anrag so There was a place in London called M A D D O X, which is Maddox. It's a club on Maddox Street. Uh, so while playing around with the name with a friend, we were coming up with ideas. It turned out that M A D O C were my family are my family initials. Uh, back then in 2012, there wasn't Devanshi, so D was my grandfather, and then D became Devanshi. So M A D O C is actually my family initials put together. This is the most complicated stage name I have heard in my life. By the way, yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's a very nice story to go with it. So people, when they hear it, they're like, "Oh, it works." Yeah. But it's interesting because I was talking to a client the other day itself, and this is a wedding that we're doing together now in a few days from now. And uh, she asked me, "Do you know Maddox's real name?" And I was like, "Wait, even I don't know. I have to ask him this." And I chose this is the best time to do it. I mean don't you find it difficult to brand yourself because of something like this? Uh no so now in fact it's the other way round now I don't even announce myself as Anurag anymore initially at weddings I used to say okay this is DJ Anurag or I have stopped doing that now because it's just Anurag has just become uh, a different person now people call me up so if you go on my instagram or anywhere my number is there to contact me people call anurag up asking if madoc is available <laughs> and i play along with it 
this has happened um, more than a multiple times and i play along with it like i say like let me check with him yes madoc is available i'll refer to him as third person and i'm okay doing that because it helps me separate the two things so you are your own manager also is that i am i dare i very much am wow for someone who's doing so many shows all over because i was looking at your entire spectrum right and you've been doing festivals clubs which are barely existent right now and uh, weddings also and yeah. how is the how is the journey been how long has it been by the way 15 years crazy yeah. um how i mean how has the journey been insane so it started off as a hobby in 2006 i was just really curious and intrigued by the whole process of what the dj was doing obviously the first time i heard it i said wow he has the vocals with the same beats because it was blended so well i think it was praveen nayar at provoke lounge or something but yeah i was just very fascinated and i wanted to learn and yeah so it started off with that and then i got my first gig i got my first residency which was during engineering so i used to go to college in the morning and i used to go to the club at night and all my professors knew about it so they let me pass out in class they gave me that a little bit of extra room to you know get away with things and uh, my last residency was 2009 which was during my fourth year of engineering i got wink which was at taj president and i was like okay taj can't let go of this and that went on for 18 months during my entire uh, fourth year of engineering i had a campus placement at accenture so monday to friday i used to go to accenture friday saturday i used to play at wink till i reached a point where i realized that i wanted to do music properly because i couldn't pay attention over here and then the rest is history i did sound engineering moved to london started making music and yeah no looking back so after tell me, that tell me which one do you have do you have overtly supportive parents or you didn't give a damn about engineering uh no so i finished my engineering zero kts one distinction seven first classes i got a campus placement in my first round so i did everything Don't right show off. no Don't no no show no. Off. so so my i come from a very very highly academic background all my family is a doctor everyone in my family is a doctor mom dad brother masi masa everyone right so i after the 10th i said i don't want to do bio they said okay now you're on your own do what you want i did everything i said see now i have done everything in the academic way now let me try this so my mom was obviously upset but dad said go ahead we'll we'll see how it pans out and yeah that's okay it. how was that conversation when you finally walked up to them and told them you want to be a dj full time now i still remember it was around the 20th day at accenture when they you know they give you a one year bond if you break that bond you have to pay some 3 lakhs fine and before i asked my dad i raised my hand up and i said i quit they said okay give you a one week notice and you can quit then i called my dad up i said this this has happened and he said fine i'm okay with it but you can't just be a dj so tell me what your plan is so i used that as an opportunity to run away to london i said i want to go there and study music it's the best college blah 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 and uh, yeah so that's when i said okay okay i'm going to do more than that obviously that time i didn't have the plan to do the dj company or anything else that i'm doing right now that was that was just okay like everyone who's starting off now thinks that i'm going to become a music producer i'm going to become david getta and life is set it took me about 5 years to realize that does not happen as easily as it looks as it seems so from where you saw yourself when you started off your career are you on course to that or has plans changed gone left right absolutely changed has it gone according to plan or nothing's gone according to plan nothing nothing's gone according to plan uh so when i started off like i said i wanted to be david getta i wanted to be steve angelo every kid wants to be martin garrix right uh but along the course i realized that certain things happened like i got married you basically understand responsibility and you can't keep living in that dream world anymore where you think you can spend time in the studio and not work i said yes to every opportunity that came along i figured out a way to get into like i said from clubs i had to get into weddings as well to make real money uh started a separate business the watch stuff and everything and i basically from the from the kid who wanted to play at tomorrowland i still want to play at tomorrowland but from the kid who wanted to play at tomorrowland i decided to become a businessman and start my own company where i provide dj's where i do bagera bagera so it basically i just grew up 
I grew up and I became mature and I realized what I actually want to do and yeah, just took on some more responsibility. Apart from DJing, you also have a whole range of businesses and a fantastic yeah. watch collection. I, I don't, how do you connect all of this, man? How, like, where is it coming from? <clears throat> so, uh, most people think that it's family business. No, hmm. my, my parents are doctors. My parents have no idea what I do. They don't, they know I, I DJ. My nani once asked me, kya karta hai, gaane gaata hai. Uh, so nobody knows what her? I actually do. What did you, what did you tell her? How did I, you explain the concept of DJing to your nani? To, na- to, to my nani, I just said, kuch waise hi. I said, main logo ko entertain karta hu, but I, I can't, how do you explain that? Right. How do you explain what you do? But I just said, main entertain karta hu. But, uh. Yeah, so no family background in music, no family background in watches. Uh, I basically, like I said, I never said no to an opportunity, right? So my first residency, for example, I played six days a week for 3,000 rupees a month. Mm. Learning experience. Even Wink was 15,000 rupees a month. Learning experience. All my experiences, not, not, not only I learned, but helped all my future engagements, like, oh, okay, he played at Squeeze. Oh, okay, he was at Wink for two years. It it helped. So the money that I didn't make then came back later on. Uh, for the watch thing, uh, I always liked watches. I, I couldn't afford the watches I liked for the longest time till I bought my first watch from my friend, uh, Jay, who was a regular at Levi, which was one of my residencies. Jay knew I really liked watches. Jay had been into luxury watches for the last 20 years. And he called me up one day uh, and said, do you want to invest? We have a partner exiting. Do you want to take on his stake? Which was in 7 Friday. Hmm. And uh, I had saved up for my restaurant or bar that I wanted to open in 2017. Realized that F&B is not my, not my cup of tea. And I realized it's, it's not something I want to do. Use those funds uh, to get into the watch business. And yeah, again, so that's, that's how that started. Awesome. So I think, I think now we've sort of established, you know, that you're a DJ, you've got a thriving watch business and you know, that's, I think for everyone listening, I think that's enough of an introduction. I want to come to the weddings, right? Um, You went to London, you learned production, if I'm not mistaken, and came back. And how much of that have you used here? For Spotify, they'll not be able to see the zero you're making. Oh, so, you're like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I forget. Uh, so London was an amazing experience in terms of growing up as a person. I mean, so I've been in New Bombay my entire life. I went to Bandra, but I was in engineering college. So London was an actual opening experience in terms of networking, seeing what's actually going on out in the outside world, the new clubbing experience. And just meeting people from all over the world and seeing what else is happening outside India, right? In terms of learning music, I don't think anybody can teach you. They can teach you the skills which you can learn off YouTube, but eventually it has to come from inside. Your melodies, your rhythm patterns, everything has to come from within, right? Uh, so a lot of lot of kids now ask me, should we go here? Should we go there? It's very simple. I tell them for networking, yes. For learning, you have to put in your own work. But when you do an Indian wedding, now, this is where I want to kind of understand, you know, because I feel a DJ is the most important bit. And even in peak lockdown, I knew DJs that were getting booked because you can't have a wedding without music. So this is what I wanted to come to is that every crowd is so different because our country is so diverse, right? You go from Goa to Rajasthan and the crowd differs. How much time did it take you to read these audiences? Uh, so I think my first wedding was 2014. So that's mm-hmm. Sula. Uh, so again, the reason I got into weddings, which I never planned to do was because I had regulars at XO and Levi who insisted I play at their wedding. So I was learning on the job. I started collecting music as per the requests I got. Like I did an afternoon event, I got 10 songs that I didn't have for the night event. I would have those 10 songs plus five related songs. So that's how I started learning. And my playlist just kept picking up, building, 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 and then still building because there'll still be music that I don't have. But I learned on the job. I started figuring out on the job because I was booked by someone who already liked me. 
it became easier to play along with them play for them and i think in 2017 2018 is when i started doing weddings on a larger scale uh so yeah it took me about four good 3 4 years to actually understand how a wedding is supposed to be done and uh, yeah so that's where i mean from personal experience that's what that's, this is why i asked you this question is because it's taken me some time to understand how crowds are in general you know because yeah. i'm expected to entertain but sometimes there are crowds maybe from south bombay that will not like jokes also there are some crowds that love humor and love a particular kind of humor and it's it's taken me a while to sort of understand uh, different spectrums of audiences you know and the kind of things that they will do so i feel a lot of people here at least dj's particularly um i've heard some dj's go ham on the remixes right they will yeah. just play remix after remix after remix and i've seen dj's who will just play originals yeah and and both are doing a great job at it you know um where do you see yourself in this i sense the energy that the crowd the point at which they are and the point at which they need to be uh if if a big band like a meet brothers or someone who has just finished before me 99% of the times they are finished off the entire set like there's nothing left for the dj to play but if they leave it at that point i will start off with high energy originals i'll never start off with a remix audiences at a wedding cannot cannot relate to a remix period they are used to listening to an original they want an original so the start off will either be low energy original or high energy original but the remix will only come in after 2 hours unless there is no version that cannot be that cannot be played as an original the remix comes in much later just for the fact that nobody at the start of the wedding wants to go ham they want to sing they want to drink get into the vibe get into the mood so i i i always support at weddings originals all the way as much as possible <sighs> how do you manage to stay relevant at weddings because i feel for me personally one of my major networking tools that i uh, usually use when i finish a show is i will go and speak to the crowd to understand how i can do better or you know uh, how many people want my number and yeah. try and you know make mix now you don't have the same opportunity because i think you just walk in and you climb on stage and then for the next 6 7 hours you're playing which is also ridiculous and earlier i used to think a dj used to play 2 hours 3 hours and that was that was the party now i've seen dj's play for 8 9 hours which is crazy yeah how do you manage to stay relevant you know because it's very important that i feel nothing works better than word of mouth in a wedding so how how does it work for you so bro i take a lot of pride in the fact that i am not from main bombay right i did not go to the main schools where like nobody from my school has or will ever booked me so <laughs> whatever whatever was achieved like i'll like i i can say this proudly whatever i got whether it was a club festival or a wedding it only came through work and word of mouth i never had a reference like i i could not say nobody could say that are he's really close to me so book him so what like you said what worked for me was only my work and word of mouth right so uh my job was to make sure that no matter what i had to deliver at every wedding to get the other wedding till i reached the point where there was a group of six guys and i had done three guys ka wedding at least so i knew that at least two more were going to come so that is what worked for me the the relevant part came from ke are he's done our wedding bro we had fun let's just get him like i'm doing a wedding end of this month and the guy actually used this to negotiate with me and it worked because he said he said bro you've done my entire cruise wedding i want you to do my wedding as well and i was like shit i am possessor what your crew i will give you that deal because i want to do your wedding <laughs> so it worked so this is where this is where i was coming to right earlier dj's were supposed to be this cubicle in the corner of the hall where people would play and there was no prominence given to the dj like a dj would just be there for the music it was yeah. as good as plugging in your uh, off your guys. phone and yeah. playing yeah. yeah yeah but then slowly i think after 2012 that's when dj started coming into the foray you know where people started taking prop this thing because it became a proper skill to learn and stuff now this is where i want to come to that um you have also maintained because i've done weddings with you that you will stay center stage because you like to convert your 
entire wedding party into like a concert or you know yeah. into a vibe yeah. that that people like to enjoy but i think it feeds off your energy also but where do you get that kind of energy from from the audience i completely feed off the crowd's energy so yeah so firstly like you said i think we were both in fujaira when this happened outdoors and i refused to play after telling them specifically before the event that i'm not going to be with the foh guys they said no we can't do this uh so i i mean i'm actually grateful to the guys who actually made djing such a mainstream thing that it's not considered as a sound vendor alone anymore uh we now do demand that respect that that a live artist would want for the simple reason that we are going to be taking the party now for the rest of the night uh if i wasn't with the crowd center stage connecting with them i cannot do what i do because if they can't see me if i can't interact with them it's 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 the same as playing a youtube a video or a spotify playlist how 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 is it different from that if they can't see me the energy is purely so again i learned this very late i started miking very late and i started dancing while playing very late i used to be a very quiet dj till i realized the importance of talking on the mic uh connecting with the crowd i still remember the first time i met you was at on a sunday at opa opa and i heard you speak on the mic and i was like i want to learn how to do that like i was mesmerized by the way you spoke and i was like i want to learn how to do that and still very conscious to talk on the mic i still take a while to open up at clubs i'm fine at festivals i'm fine but at weddings i always have this fear that somebody might not like me interrupting the music or talking and stuff but then i just reached a point and i realized people love it people love talking people love the interaction uh the energy is purely the first 10 minutes would be fake like i'm faking it throughout but it gets the people going and then i feed feed off that you know it's because of dj's like you who started talking on the mic i don't get enough shows now i don't like you guys anymore no no i i don't think i don't think at weddings i can do i can come close to what you do baba no. like mine will <laughs> like mine will only be i'll wish somebody happy birthday happy anniversary i'll ask them to leave the drinks i so i have this very very snarky thing that i do on the mic like i'll say things like pata hai free daru hai but come on the stage now and all i'll i'll only uh. talk if i desperately need people to come on stage otherwise i will not talk on the mic so this is a follow up question right that as i said you know earlier the the perception was that a dj would be a service provider now when i see the vibe right everybody wants to be friends with the dj yeah you know and that is super important that's really fascinating that's really on a vibe that i mean earlier when i got into the scene also an mc was what you'd give a mic and you just go say a bunch of things conduct the show and leave and that yeah. was it but today today at least i'm friends with most of my people here right uh how much time has it taken because it took me some time right because i would always sort of think of it in a way that oh they are very different they are in a different class that it it happened to me man like where i'm coming from is that how much time did it take you to sort of break out of your shell to kind of come you know and give off that very friendly vibe to these guys i think it was it has to be post 2016 17 so at least 10 12 years till i reached a point where i became relatable and i could relate to the guys i could have a conversation with them like to be able to have a drink with a client or the client's friends boys can be very very uh what's the word i'm looking for like it's it's difficult to get a group of boys at a wedding to be friends with you if you don't know them previously so I mean usually the biggest the main ice breaker for me has always been watches now it's just easier now to start a conversation about the watch or whatever but before that because of exo and libai because i was there for 3 years i started knowing these guys personally and i'm talking about like your ballers your you know the the who's who's because i would meet them so often i could i started getting friendly but till that point it was super intimidating like uh even at a wedding i would be in my shell i would finish my set and go off unless they wanted to hang with me come have a drink at the after party even now if once the party is over i go back to my room before whatever needs to be done the networking the socializing everything will be done but yeah so now it's grown in how yeah. much uh, do you have any like fun stories of uh, your clubs you know when you've played in the clubs do you have any fun stories from there so the 
earliest I could remember would probably be my wing days. Uh-huh. Uh, I was, so like I said, that was during my fourth year of engineering. Let's put it this way. How was your first time when you saw your name on a poster and said, oh, I have to play the night now. And, you know, was it added pressure? Yeah. Yeah. Because this was the time when Facebook had just started picking up and I used to see all these DJs putting up their artworks and flyers. And I, I always thought that would be so cool. And uh, so my first artwork was, again, Wink. Before my residency, I had done a gig there. That was my first ever guest DJ gig. And yeah, it 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 felt amazing. Uh, it still does. Today also, like when I see a new club that I haven't played at, when I see my artwork, if it's a well-done artwork, I still feel happy about it. It's, it's just something that I can't, it never gets old. If it's a new club, it'll never get old. I don't know how many times I've played at Bombay Cocktail Bar, but even now when they put out the videos, because they do these really cool artwork videos of the old gigs and stuff, I still get happy and fascinated with what's happening. But now when you come to a wedding, um, how was your first wedding? How was your first um, wedding when you stood on the console? And I know that it is it is intimidating. My first wedding experience was horrible. Like I've said this multiple times in season one also that, you know, if I had a chance to apologize to that family, I would. But it was really bad. Like they expected me to speak in Hindi and I didn't know Hindi at the time. Um, yeah. And and it just, it just became an awful situation. How but you completed the whole thing. I, d- I had to complete the whole thing and I made a complete ass of myself over there. And I'm not even ashamed to like admit it. I am very, very sorry for it. But I learning think experience, that's what... they're all a learning experience. Exactly. Right. But but now when I look at it this way, right, I say that the stakes are much higher. So then, you know, it's not anymore where you're learning. You could be learning, but you also have to deliver. Yeah, I, I don't so, think now at this point we can say that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm still learning. Yeah. Uh, my exactly. first wedding was Rajveer and Mihir, uh, like I said, at Sula. So the first cocktail party was on Mihir's Terrace in Bombay. I think this was 2014. Uh, the mm-hmm. sweetest couple. So I knew Rajveer previously. I'd met her in London through her cousin. And uh, one day Rajvi just came up to me at EXO with Mihir. She said, this is my fiance and we're getting married and we want you to play at the wedding. And I was like, what? Really? And bro, this is a point where nobody has heard me play Bollywood ever. Like I have never played Bollywood. So I'm like, okay. And uh, that was the first time where I gave a wedding quote. Okay. And she said, yeah, that works. Do you want to share with us what that quote was? Uh, My first (laughs) wedding I did at 30,000 rupees an event, which was a lot of money back then. It is tremendous amount. My first wedding quote was 5,000 bucks. <laughs> and how many, how many events were you doing for the wedding? Or you no, for the I full doing, wedding? I was doing just one. Just one. And it was, it was intimidating. It was crazy. So, I feel, they, I feel they overpaid for me for what I gave at that time. You know? <laughs> fair. Then, then fair. Uh, so... I, for for me, I had no idea how someone charges for a wedding. I just knew that you charge more than what you would normally charge for a club gig. I think I was charging 15, 20,000 for a club gig at a time, a freelance club gig. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, I think two, three days of work and made, made a lack. And I was like, wow, this is nice. <laughs> and uh, the wedding was, it started off with a cocktail in Bombay on Mihir's Terrace. Sangeet at, a hotel in Nasik and the reception was at Sula in the, what do you say, the amphitheater with me playing Deep House and the, I think it was Tublu on percussion. So it was a full vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that time, because of Levi and stuff, I was doing a lot of Deep House and stuff, which was actually my forte. And so, yeah, it was just a variety of music that I got to show off and it, it worked out well because from Mihir and Rajvi's wedding, I got three weddings straight up. You know, I consider myself really lucky though, because I feel I pivoted a lot earlier <clears throat> into weddings because I was yeah. doing concerts and having a blast with it. Like I was loving it. And then yeah. I realized, oh, this doesn't like, I mean, there's, it's not monetarily because you have to balance your risk and reward, right? And it yeah. wasn't very fulfilling that way. It was great because you got to stand in front of 10,000 people. And it was amazing, exhilarating, in fact. But 
I pivoted, I think somewhere around 2017, I made that conscious decision and said, oh, I want to focus on this and, you know, make it more experiential and give people experiences rather than just go stand and say, Kaise now, the reason I want to ask you this is, don't you think like we're really, really lucky to be in this scene in the first place because it's an exploding scene. It's ridiculous. The kind of concepts people are coming out with and, and it's, it's just crazy. I remember doing a wedding in December just now in the midst of a lockdown and it was wild just to see something like this. So don't you think like, I mean, we're really, really lucky to be in this scene. Like, did you ever have a thought like this while you were doing like a wedding or something? Dude, absolutely. Uh, So 2020, as bad as it was, it started off... It was, it started off so well, right? I had back-to-back international shows. Like I have flown to Sri Lanka, flown back to Bombay at 5, gone home, changed my clothes, 10 p.m. taken a flight to Abu Dhabi, come back. We did Fujairah together. I left in the middle of the event to fly to Goa. I mean, uh, to get the opportunity to see the world fly business class, stay in the best hotels, meet the greatest people, party with them. And then get paid for doing that. I mean, definitely blessed, bro. Definitely blessed to have these opportunities, to get the recognition, to have the love. Dude, at the end of the day, people are trusting us with one of the biggest days in their life, right? Uh, So definitely very grateful and very blessed to have these opportunities, yeah. I also feel there's a certain amount of intimacy involved in terms of, you know, where you are in front of like a major crowd and you're giving it your all, but you're not going to see these people again. Right. And here, here you're with 200 to 50, 300 people and they're constantly like, you know, there's a constant exchange. And I find that so amazing just to be in that mix. I think it's beautiful. How was the lockdown? Because this is one phase where I really, really missed um, being on stage because I don't do as many concerts now. I do a few college festivals, but um, I really missed being on stage or interacting with even wedding audiences for that matter. How was it for you? So uh, my lockdown started off right before uh, the lockdown was announced. Uh, Europe had already started the lockdown. So I had already been approached by Sennheiser to do a virtual gig on, on their Instagram page. Uh, so it started off with a lot of fun virtual gigs because when you're playing on a super dry page or a Sennheiser page, you have a lot of viewers. So I did super dry Sennheiser sunburn, which are my three big Instagram virtual gigs. When I started doing more of these shows, I realized people didn't have the bandwidth to stay on their phone for that long. It was just people coming five minutes high bro and going. So the virtual thing did not, the Instagram thing did not work out for me. I had a couple of Zoom inquiries, which did not convert because people didn't want to spend anything at all. And if I had to give two hours, I would still expect something in return, right? Uh, Obviously for my friends, we would have fun because the first three months were really bad. So I wouldn't mind doing it for that. The most disheartening thing was when weddings started getting cancelled and clients started asking for their advance back. But then again, I think I was very fortunate and same for you also that we had weddings that got indefinitely postponed and they are happening now. Yeah. And yeah. those will always be my favorite clients. You know who you are. But uh, yeah, so I missed it. I missed it a lot. Like I stopped downloading music. I was producing a lot of music. So I stopped downloading music. I stopped updating music. And uh, yeah, after a point, bro, there was just no inspiration. There was just no feeling like nothing. It just dried out, didn't it? Completely, completely. How the hell do you manage to have your abs even then? I know it's a complete sidetrack question, but... I, bro, during my lockdown, I had nothing else to do. I have a gym in my building down, which it's... So we've rented it out to the gym guys. So nobody else is allowed to use it. It was only my brother and I, six days a week. That's all we did. We were only working out. So it was working out, couldn't diet, whatever alcohol was, I had to finish that. But it was a lot of working out for six months. So I've seen some older pictures, right? And I think there's been a constant uh, or a very concerted effort in, you know, uh, focusing on your appearance and your persona and stage <coughs> persona and stuff. Because I know if people people talk about Maddox now, they talk about the legendary beard that Maddox has and stuff. Yeah. So... How much time has gone into that, firstly? And what do you think the modern Indian wedding DJ should focus on? So, ab- about the beard, Nami, I've had the beard now 
for I think nine years. Uh, wow. My wife has never seen me without a beard, so I can never, never shave now because she will freak out. I'll probably do it one day for my kid just through that video where you freak out the kid, and I know that video will go viral. But I don't, I don't have the heart to get get rid of my beard now. I've reduced it drastically because when I lost weight and the big beard, I just looked sick. Like I looked like I was really unwell. So I've I've reduced it, trimmed it now. Uh, but in terms of appearance for a wedding DJ. Uh, so I have always been very whatever the dress code is. If it's a sangeet, I will play wear a bandgala or a bandi. If it's a reception, I will wear a suit. If it's a barat, I will wear a kurta pajama. I was very strict about it up until last month. Now I have started. I still won't dress badly, but I want to start dressing up as a performer rather than a guest. Okay. So okay. I will. If it's a black tie event, I'll probably show up, show up in a not very formal suit. I'll still come in a suit, or I'll probably wear a shirt with a bomb, with a black bomber, which I tried last month in Goa. And so, the, so that work? I don't blend with the crowd, because I said Did I thought work? I was doing, I was putting in too much effort into blending with the crowd and being one with them. I said no, I'm on stage, I'm a performer, I need to be different. But at the end, you just you still have to look good. You are invited to someone's the- wedding to perform. You need to look good. Did the bomber jacket work? Uh, so that's the thing. Whether it's a bomber, bandgala, or a blazer, the minute I start in five minutes, it comes off. So it will always end up being a shirt. So the shirt has to be good. So the reason I was sort of asking about appearance and you know uh, persona and stage persona, I feel on stage when you're at a concert, there's a whole different vibe. And then now I feel weddings where artists have become such an important part of it. Right, because your entertainment at a wedding, especially DJs, you can have anything, but a DJ is, I think, basic. Like that's the first thing that people cross. Because whenever a family calls me, also they say, "Oh, we've already booked the DJ," which means the mm. DJ is booked as fast as the planner is booked, yeah. and that's what I really like, right? Because I feel uh, artists now have to start putting in a lot of effort into their persona, into their into the stuff that they're wearing, the stuff that because I feel we're also um, working with a class of people that you know uh, that focuses on stuff like this. I remember when I started off, I was I, I just used to wear the randomest things, and now when I see those old pictures, I'm like, dude, I can't believe I was wearing stuff like this. So what do you think for the modern Indian wedding DJ? And I feel in a few years, this will become a legit thing. It already is, but there are still very few players in the market. Like, you know, in terms of people who are only in that scene, what do you think for the, for the next bunch of people, what should they focus on? So definitely uh, keep your white shirts handy. Like every, <laughs> every wedding I travel to, I have six white shirts with me. Three will be collared. Three will be the Chinese collar. I think no, you can't go wrong with that. And that is something everyone should have with them. And okay. So like I said, you can dress appropriately in terms of it's, a, it's the Sangeet. Uh, don't, don't show up in a, in a sweatshirt and a hoodie and sneakers, right? Jeans you can. T-shirt. Jeans t-shirt. t-shirt. Don't do that. Uh, show up wearing something. Be formals. If you're not comfortable in pants, still you can wear denims. You can wear uh, sneakers. When I say sneakers, I mean at leisure, not not running shoes, right? But put on a shirt. Put on a bandi. It'll still it'll still the ensemble will will still work if you make it work. Uh, do up the hair properly. Don't don't look messy. What works in a club, that look does not work at a wedding. And that's a fact. It can be the other way around. You could wear your shirt and bundy and go to a club and look neat, but it doesn't work the other way around. And this is something that, not that I've seen uh, DJs today show up at a wedding uh, not done up properly, but yeah, this is something that everyone should definitely keep in mind. Have I uh, told you? I don't think I have told this because this is not public knowledge yet, but I remember I was doing this one wedding in Goa and I picked up the wrong pair of pants and that pant ripped right in the center. And I had to wear, I had to wear a kurta on top of it. And because it's Goa, you can't go anywhere, right? Because yeah, yeah. the clothes you pack, those are the clothes. Exactly, you do. That's that, yeah. Any other city, you can walk into a mall and pick up a replacement and it's Goa. 
And my God, I was playing. Nobody asks me to sit down. Oh, that would have been awful. That was horrible. But you repeat doing something. You were doing a mm, jump or a no? Split. I was no. I was just I was just walking, and then I I happened to notice it was a little weird. So I, I figured Wind, I was windy. like, damn, I yeah, I picked up the wrong pair of pants, and the entire show, my legs have not moved. Like that's hilarious oh when God. I think about it now. But then it was awful, and nobody noticed. But you got away with nobody it. Nobody knows. I mean, I got paid in full, so I don't think so. Anybody noticed? Maybe but, that's why you got paid in full. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so this is what I wanted to kind of ask you. Also, is now we've spoken about appearance, right? What about yeah. music? Yeah. How much music do you have, bro? Uh, I mean, so I, if you told told me today that I'm taking you for a seven day wedding, and Seven days each day has two wedding functions, and all fourteen functions need different music. I'll say, "Chalo, let's go." I'm ready. Okay. Uh, okay. So, bro, because again, uh, I say this is my US. My USP is that I'm super versatile. Uh, so, it's just so at Wink I used to play techno, at XY I used to play EDM and hip hop, at Levi I used to do deep house, at Nomad I do deep house and hip hop, at weddings I do Bollywood. Most clubs now are BDM. So I say I have covered the entire spectrum as much as I can. What I could need at a wedding, then we've done uh, receptions. Clearly, we have lounge music. Uh, I can't put a number. How much music? I would I would say about hundred GB of music at any given time. I don't know how much that would uh, come up to. But so uh, because I, because you because you mentioned versatile, right? That's why I'm asking that. I feel. so wedding dj's in general are very very versatile because they can because clients vary man like they will ask yeah, you for yeah. the most bizarre music at times which we will come to in a bit but i'm also talking about the most um, the most i don't know like it's so varied because i've seen people i remember i had got a call for a wedding in jakarta and they said we want to do the burning man and that's the kind of music we want and and i found that very very interesting because Stuff like this six years ago would have been completely unheard of. Six seven years ago, completely unheard of. So I was saying that there is a there is a definite learning curve, right? In terms of getting your music together, working it out. Um, people people who have varied concepts, you know, want a certain style of music. You know, um, since the middle of the lockdown to now, I've seen a new concept of a sundowner sangeet. start so people are not doing nighttime sangeets anymore they're doing these sundowner sangeets and moving it generally into a party so they have more time to party and stuff and i think yeah. that's also because of the time limit anyway yeah, yeah but, that's the main reason yeah but where i'm sort of focusing on is that how much time has it taken you to sort of understand music in general how much time has it taken you and what is your process to then acquire these songs okay so uh the new music is easy because you're growing up with it it's the thing that everyone is listening to you understand that music you know what is in vogue it's the retro which is constant renovation you have to keep learning keep learning keep so for me retro music is what my parents listen to what my grandfather used to listen to so i know what works right and that fortunately that works for most most uh, families most parents most uncle aunties at a wedding because those are the toughest people to entertain the usual 15 to 40 year olds like what is happening but you can't expect a grandfather or the father of the groom at the wedding to know uh, what pop star by drake is right so you know need Correct. to know your you need to know your mohammad rafi you need to know your amitabh songs you need to know your uh, starship so your just an illusion english and hindi retro that is the toughest part which is i promise you you might think right to retro music is retro music it's not coming out anymore uh someone had told a friend of mine this boss you have the latest collection of retro music <laughs> which is which is which is which is so funny but yeah. if you think about it bro like every wedding like i said every wedding there'll be somebody who will come and ask me for a song that i've never heard of from 1970 or 1980 and you have to constantly keep updating keep updating the minute you stop studying and updating old and new music you're done okay you so can never a, never be satisfied with oh i have all the music in the world you never will is there a certain amount of prep that goes into this every every show 
every every single show so again for me i because i also make my own edits and stuff that is a different kind of extra pep prep that i do uh but in terms of music so now every wedding i tell the client give me 10 songs so i can you know get an understanding of what kind of music they like so somebody will give me an above and beyond somebody will give me bhojpuri music that we'll get to so i know what they want what they want to have fun with 99% of the music i have but if somebody's going to come up to me and say that bro you know uh, that song by that artist that three people in the wedding might have heard because you all were chilling in school and you enjoyed it you can't expect me to have that unless you've told me prior to the wedding that i will want this song mm-hmm. so i i tell them i tell them give me your 10 20 songs and i will make sure i have everything you need and worst case scenario uh, i have my assistant with me who will quickly run on his laptop download the track and get it yeah this is this is another thing right but because now we have faster internet speeds <laughs> Yeah. you can request any song in the world and yeah. you'll have it in about 2 minutes and it's crazy yeah. that's, that's the only reason i have dev with me and if i need to run to the loo at the 6 star of the wedding yeah gosh dev we don't mean bad for you all right just no bro he's my lifeline using you for he, yeah, he's my lifeline toilet breaks he's my lifeline <laughs> that, that's bro. what <laughs> i like i know for a fact that you like to mess with yourself which is why you have like a, a you know a folder called shit requests what is it yeah. is it client, what is it shit called? client requests shit client why why do you have something because like? these are songs that i would never play on my own mm. and uh, it's just easier to remember so basically these songs never make it to my main playlist they will always always remain in the shit folder they will never come out of there and they'll only be played uh when the client wants it i will never play okay. it on my own give us a top 5 of what's in that shit folder uh so one would be the washing powder nirma theme song okay uh spider man spider man tu ne churaya mere dil ka chain uh babu ji zara dheere chalo as famous that was like a pioneering item song i would never play it so that stays over there uh the bhojpuri version of oh baby hey baby you and me both know who this it's, song it's was for hey, hey babuni hey babuni hey babuni hey babuni, bye bye. Uh-huh. Hey babuni. and uh, the fifth song wait can I, i i don't want to load it up right now uh again i don't know why i'm putting only hindi songs in this list but if i had to pick but one I, bad english song it would probably be be like a weird weird theme ad song or something like that that people would not recognize or something like that but someone's actually asked you to play washing powder nirma oh ho, you will be surprised in the north how big so the thing is it's a gimmick huh. okay everyone's listening to bollywood punjabi bollywood punjabi and in the middle of thing Nina, Reshma, Jaya, or Sushma. So everybody's so fascinated, right? It's it's ironic. Nobody's actually enjoying it, but everybody knows the song. It's iconic at the end of the day. So it's like a breather. People get excited. They laugh about it, and then you can go back to the normal set. I think I think that's crazy because I think we've we've spoken about your process, appearance, the stuff you do at weddings, and <laughs> and then Pochke. <laughs> Washing powder, Nirma. <laughs> washing everything ended at washing powder, Nirma. But I have a last set of questions to ask you. You know, because you do so many things um, in terms of concerts, colleges, clubs, and then weddings. You know, how do you find the balance in this? On honestly, and I'll tell you why. And I'll and I'll tell you why I asked you this is because. um when i say madox a wedding dj i think people are still getting there even though you've played so many weddings people are still getting to the fact that oh madox kills at weddings right yeah. so yeah. um how do you manage to maintain the balance uh so yeah agreed a lot of people still think i don't play bollywood because when they see a madox profile they think that madox only does edm to be honest i don't know when was the last time my dog actually got to play edm because now it's on bdm bollywood hip hop and a little bit of house i don't clubs don't do bang bang edm anymore yeah uh festivals are passed away yeah 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 it's it's done people like techno people like chill people don't want to go ham unless it's a club that requires that clubs now have just become more hip hop and commercial festivals on the other hand are 
mainly EDM hmm. or BDM. Festivals are only high energy from start to end. It's only jumping off tables, making people scream, making people jump. Hmm. Now, when you combine all of this and add original Bollywood to it, most weddings start off with original Bollywood. Then they want to go into hip hop. They want to do a little bit of retro. But at five o'clock in the morning, when everyone is still hyped up, they want to go into a festival mode. Most people have been to Tomorrowland. Most people have seen the whole thing, so they want to do that. So that is whatever I have done in the other two sections. I get to use it for half an hour over here. But I promise you, in half an hour, people will come back and say, "Chal now, bro, now bin tere sanam," because they want to go back into that. <laughs> so honestly, I would say the three are totally unrelated. I wouldn't say they are mutually exclusive sets. They have a little bit of overlapping, uh, but all three do their own work, their own separate way. And uh, I don't know if you remember. So last year, not so Feb, uh, one weekend in Feb, I it was I think Feb twenty something, Feb twenty ninth or something. I started in the evening at Amity at a club uh, festival. Sorry, at a college festival from Amity. Came back home, changed my clothes, went to Lansing for a wedding. Finished the wedding at two o'clock because I told the client I have to leave at two and went to Four Seasons to perform at Drama. Andre. And I promise you, the entire night, the three shows, the music was completely different. Wow, that's crazy! What has been the craziest experience you've had at a wedding? Uh, off the top of my head. Uh, craziest would be uh, this wedding I did in Sri Lanka. So I did not know who the client was. I knew the groom because mm. I had met him at a bunch of weddings, and I knew the bride through the groom. But it okay. turned out the family had like twelve cousins, and all their friends were there. Right, so it was a three-day wedding with about five hundred youngsters every night raging. Till seven in the morning, till eight in the morning, and I remember the last morning we finished the reception at a very emotional note. Like I played Kabira, I played Din Shagna. The bride's brother has carried her out, and he said, "Okay, bro, chal, let's finish it." They have reached the breakfast area, and the younger brother has come with a boombox and started the party again at eight in the morning. So, <laughs> as as an experience, this was one of the greatest weddings uh, that I did, that I experienced. What yeah. was an experience you'd like to forget? That that you've seen at a wedding, or seen or experienced at a wedding. Uh, again, touch wood, bro. I I mean, I've I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate with my weddings. Uh, mm. so never. I don't think there is any wedding that I want to forget. And if there was, I've probably forgotten about it because there have been these small small weddings. Oh, I will tell you. I will tell. Uh. You. So there was this one client who was booking me for one reception. okay did a little bit of negotiation i think everybody in india does that but he said okay fine i sent him the contract now my contract has a cancellation clause which says that uh you book me 50% advance two weeks before the event i take 100% payment if for any reason you cancel the event or whatever happens if it is not force majeure i keep the money if for any reason i can't show up i give you back the money fair enough protects both of us So this guy saw the contract. He's like, "I want it in writing from you that you won't cancel." Huh? I said, uh, "Bro, I can't. How do I do that?" I said, "This this is a mutual thing, right? It protects both of us." He said, "No, we are depending on you. I need you to tell me you will not cancel." I have I have this on WhatsApp. So I said, "Bro, I will try my best. I'm getting paid for it. Why will I cancel?" He said no because so this was during 1920 where it was back to back to back wedding. So he thought maybe yeah. I'll take another show or something. And I said no, bro. You have my word. I'll be there, bro. This wedding, I reached. It was at NSCI Dome. I did not know who the client was, so I see a Cullinan and a Urus parked and uh, the security there. So I understood what is happening. So this was the uh. entire Ambani clan uh, with the family inside, and it was Meet Brothers who was starting. My set was supposed to start at eleven o'clock. Huh. Meet brothers got off stage at two thirty. <laughs> so from ten thirty to two thirty, I'm sitting in the green room, hearing all the songs that I'm about to play. Correct. Then at two thirty, I go on stage and it is eight people: the bride, the groom, the groom's brother who booked me. I have not met anybody. I don't know these people. I recognize them from their WhatsApp DPs, and it's the Ambani kids. I'm like, okay, eight to eight. Bro, I played for ten minutes. They said, "Okay, bro, thanks." Huh? Ten <laughs> minutes, and they said, 
Thanks. Unreal. So this is a wedding I, I had actually forgotten about. I mean, uh-huh. bro, I mean like, okay, we're not complaining. I got, I got paid for a eight hour gig for 10 minutes. Uh, but the that's, issue with this, fine. Yeah, yeah. Huh. the issue with this is I didn't get to do for them. What would I, I, I would have wanted to do, which could have helped me in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the bad part. So this is probably so, the weirdest experience for me. Yeah. Because, because I, I mean, I've, I would rather like than not like, I mean, for me personally, uh, when someone says, Are, your work is very less, though it's fine, ye wo, then, then I would be like, bro, then I'd rather just not do it. Because if I can't fully bring myself there, then it just doesn't make sense, right? Because that's what people want to see at the end of it. Why do you think otherwise people? So I, I mean, I, I get that. I, I really, really like that. Tell me one thing. In this entire fraternity of yours, who are the people that you're really proud about? Because I feel we're building a community here. And this was one question I asked everyone on season one also, that in your entire space of DJing, who are the people you're extremely proud about? Uh, so in weddings? Yeah, in weddings, specifically in weddings. Can I, so can I mix proud with people who inspire me also? Of course, of course, 100%. Okay. So in terms of uh, conceptualization and forward thinking, it would have to be Aman Nakpal. I think what he's doing in terms of his uh, entire band, the visuals, uh, definitely the most futuristic stuff, which all of us will eventually try and do. In terms of the hardest working guy, it'll have to be Arjun. I mean, with or without alcohol and smoking, the guy just has phenomenal stamina to play, travel, play, travel, play, travel. Uh, usually, and it's not like he's much. I think me and Arjun maybe have a year difference, uh, but the guy just goes on and on and on. It, it's probably the Gujarati blood that says, okay, no, can't say no to Lakshmi, but the guy, that guy's got some stamina. Uh, in terms of someone who's been around, been relevant, been doing his thing is Tahir. Mm. The the guy just knows how, how to handle a crowd, any crowd. The guy is an entertainer. I know. Uh, yeah. Like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Tahir is a DJ because I think he's an entertainer and he, he knows that, but yeah. what he does, like, I can't imagine you like, have you ever done a wedding with Tahir? I have, I have, I have. I have. Cause it would okay. just be so much, you would just be talking to each other. No, I mean, I, I, I kind of, uh, so with Tahir specifically, right, I will um, step on stage, do my bit, and then I will say, bro, you do you because you do it much better. Yeah. You know, he In knows the, exactly, the singing and all that. Yeah. Yeah. He knows exactly how to uh, take your crowd and make them last for that amount of time because that's something, because when I come, I come in this short burst of energy for about an hour hour and a half and then after that I will die down because you know the, the, there is a limit to you know the amount of energy I can push into the crowd and then after that, I'll vibe with them but Tahir knows exactly how to kind of keep that for 8 hours 9 hours and it's yeah, yeah. phenomenal and, and it's only it's, it's years and years of experience and you can see that that boy the guy has that experience and and I feel all these guys that you mentioned, right? I think one thing that's really uh, amazing is how humble all of them are. Like AJ is one of my oldest uh, friends also because I started emceeing because of AJ in the first place. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you. Yeah. Yeah. Some college, it was at college fest, right? College festival. Yeah. Yeah. And he pushed me. He said, oh, you've got something here. Do it. You know, and that's why if it wasn't for AJ, otherwise I wouldn't be here. You know, and uh, I think it's 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 great that what Indian wedding DJs have kind of achieved because they're traveling all over the world, man. And I'm looking at only Bombay, but there are people in Delhi, Kolkata, yeah. Bangalore, yeah. Uh, Chennai, and they're killing all over because I no, feel it's- so. Unfortunately, Delhi and Bombay DJs don't get along for whatever reason. Hmm. Uh, for whatever reason. So Delhi DJs don't like Bombay DJs coming into the market. Even after whatever we may charge, we are still cheaper than Delhi DJs. Mm. The music somewhat, the requirement remains the same. Delhi clients have come to Bombay. They've attended the thing, but it's these two markets that it's very difficult to, for them to come together. Mm. I Another think, see, huh. that, that being said, I feel um, I'm just talking about the scope of work, right? Because yeah. we're, we're international. If if someone would have told me back in college that I would be hosting a wedding, say, in Azerbaijan, for example, I'd be like, are you crazy? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. You know? 
and and that's what i find fascinating but i think it's i think it's great because um, when i look at your instagram also i see that you're making you know so much you're you're putting in that much effort in your content also and i feel that's i think where a few people lack like yeah. aj aman and all really put in the same kind of effort like you are also doing why have you stopped making reels or tiktok uh, or whatever so the so i started tiktok during lockdown like okay. i stayed away from the app till lockdown and i used to get 500000 500000 i never crossed so one day i woke up i put up a tomorrowland video and i had 35000 views like overnight but that's how tiktok the algorithm worked and reels is the exact same algorithm but then it was again 500 800 500 it was very demotivating and then one day i told devanshi chal let's let's try a cute couples video overnight we crossed 100k uh so then i realized that it was devanshi's videos with me which were crossing 100k 200k so our average was 200k and my videos average was 200 so nobody not the, likes you basically yeah i i figured that i was in the likable uh con- the concept was only the couples or it was so devanshi same thing so when we started reels we she was already put off because tiktok went away and so devanshi hates social media she hates being in front of the camera so she said you know what just use the old tiktok videos i don't want to do more stuff same thing on reels also if you see the numbers her videos have 30 40 50 80 000 mine have barely 10 000 but then she was like i am used to 200k i don't want to do this 80 000 but it was it was ba- so basically she hates she hates doing all this but now she sees that i need it so uh day before yesterday she told me ke you know because i have not been posting a lot on instagram especially no reels no funny content so she said that i i i think you need me to come back and do something for you so why don't you plan uh, give me an idea give me the concepts i'll choose what i like and we'll pick a day and we'll shoot that's crazy that's i think crazy. i have one last question um after such a fascinating interview is that um, where do you see like where is the future for you now what do you feel like doing next uh again so my my dream will still be tomorrowland which is a very far fetched dream which will only happen if i put in the work in the studio i think uh, we can make a tomorrowland at a wedding also so i think it's fine i think that can happen no no i want the 100 i want the 100000 people <laughs> I want the. I mean, you can 000. have hundred thousand people at a wedding, also. It's highly possible in India. So. No, no, hundred. <laughs> the only person having hundred thousand would be Modi. I don't think anybody else can gather one lakh people, bro. But yeah. no. So right now, I want to, as like I said, as a, as per who I am right now, I want to do as many weddings as possible. Uh, I want to do my clubs and festivals. for the reason that i love playing at festivals i love the energy i love bro it's it's kids who just give it all uh mm-hmm. so i definitely want to do everything that i'm doing it's just that the number of gigs will vary but i mean right now it's not like festivals are happening anyways right it's mainly just weddings uh i want to reduce my total work in in terms of just become little more exclusive in terms of clubs and stuff like that but weddings i want to do as many as possible i want to get into that market as more than what i have right now i think pandemic or no pandemic right i think the wedding industry was the one industry that kind of un- apart from government regulations is yeah. what kind of stood its test of time right that was what was beautiful because yeah. people were doing people were getting married whether you die or not we are going to do this and yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's great um i think this has been immense this has been a fantastic um, interview and uh, i wish you all the best for everything that you're planning to do um, and uh, please talk on the mic less so that i get some more work and <laughs> if you want to tell people where they can find you um, we'll move from there uh yeah so all my handles are madoc official madoc official uh literally everything facebook twitter instagram snapchat gmail whatever in the future would come will also be madoc official uh so yeah thank you so much baba this was a lot of fun thank you thank you so much madoc and uh, yeah it's best of luck with the new season thank you thank you so much and we i'll see you soon 
You see, I told you I'm going to give you an unbelievable first episode to a second season of Behind the Shadi. That was so good, and Maddox just the best guy, man. Like so good, so inspirational, and to be in the business that long, truly phenomenal. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. And please make sure to go follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever. I need the followers. I want the followers. I want to talk to you guys about what we can do differently on the show. And make sure to check out all the other episodes of Behind the Shadi. This is Vishal Raskina. See you next time.